It can be done. This can be done in a bipartisan way, comprehensive immigration form. Where what specifically quotas, do you want? Numbers people can come in. Well, we want them to have a limit on who can come across the border. It is too open right now. Uh, people coming from all over the world are finding their way through, simply saying they need asylum. And the majority of them seem to be ending up in the streets of New York. And that is a real problem for New York City. I say to them, decide who you want to be president. Who you think is the best, most competent, most responsible person to be president. And then there's some of the few people who actually have the resources to give that person a chance. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants to be careful. I'm tired of everybody being careful. I'm out here not being careful. I'm the only one on that station that didn't raise my hand and say I'd support a convicted felon. And I got booed by 5,000 people in Milwaukee. I don't care because it's right. Really, we want a convicted felon to be president of the United States? And then you had some jokers on the Hill yesterday saying, make him speaker. Who are these people? That's what the president's going to do. He's going to continue to figure out how we're going to lower costs for the American people. That's binomics. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Chair declares the House in recess, subject to the call of the chair. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 151 here on a crisp fall day in October the 6th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. Then I'm Mike McKenna, and I haven't endorsed anybody for speaker, nor am I going to. <laughs> well, I think I have, so or at least my organization has. Um, okay, so why don't we uh, all those? Actually, let's talk about Chris Christie real quick. What is Rana gonna do now? What do you gonna mean? kick him off? Is she gonna kick him off the debate stage? I'm not sure we're having any more debates. Well, if we do, because yeah. he basically broke the whole pledge deal. Well, so. in all in all fairness. President Trump hasn't ever said he was going to take the pledge. So, well, he hasn't gone to the debate, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if I was Christie, I wouldn't go to the debate either. I would, I would stand outside. But I'm not sure we're having that that debate in Miami. I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it got canceled. Yeah, well, we talked about this in a little bit of detail last week, so we won't get into it. But you know, congratulations, Fox News, for turning this into a clown show. Yeah, I want to point it already I wanna, wasn't. Yeah, I want to point out one thing. Uh, uh, Governor Christie uh, kept calling the former president a convicted felon. He hasn't actually been convicted of anything. I don't want to. I don't have to say that nicely, but no. It's, wait, say that again. As he in the clip, Christie called him a convicted felon at least twice. Oh yeah, he's wrong. Yeah, he's wrong. Uh, uh, you, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, but you think the guy who was the United States Attorney for the Northern District of New Jersey would know something like? Yeah, would, but would I think he was saying that, that if he were a convicted felon. I think I think if you were to ask, yeah, him, if, you, if I could were called on it, I think that's what he would say. If I could flap my arms and fly to the moon, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast. Yeah. So, you know, come on, guys. Anyway, go ahead. So uh, this is the go, going back to the first clip, Governor, uh, Governor Buffalo. She, you saw that the mayor's flying to Mexico City, right? No. To do what? 
to get to the bottom of this immigration situation. Um, he's, I have it on really good authority that Vice President Harris already got to the root causes heard, of this this yeah, immigration I situation. I, and also, did you see Governor Pritzker in in Illinois? Yeah, Pritzker. Yeah, Pritzker. Pritzker. He he uh, uh, sent a strongly worded letter to the Biden administration because now they're getting bussed to Chicago. Like. We're gonna we're gonna do the thing on the border, so uh, you know we can hold off on it. But it's interesting how Greg Abbott might genius. become. It might actually HR two might actually have a chance here in in all of these negotiations. Greg, Greg Abbott is a genius. That's all. Yes, a hundred percent, no doubt. No one has done more to socialize this problem. Move, absolutely, move this move this needle than the governor. So he deserves a ton of credit. Yep. And hey. If they're sanctuary cities and, you know, you remember all that rhetoric. Oh, my gosh. It was just insane, right? So, okay. Um, root causes, Tom. Here's the root cause. Things are better in America than they are in Mexico. There you go. Root cause. I will forever, I will forever uh, enjoy that gavel slam. That was, that was something else. He's not a happy camper. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. The speaker, the interim speaker, the caretaker speaker is not a happy, happy camper. Let's get right into this and then we'll. I have it on good authority. I have it on good authority that the White House has declared him an acting speaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. Wow. I stirred up a hornet's nest there, didn't I? We can talk about that later, too. All right. So let's get into this speaker thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you live under a rock, if you live under a rock, uh, you you don't know this, uh, but uh, we are in the midst of a battle for a new speaker after Matt Gates led a mini rebellion of eight uh, House Republicans to join all of the Democrats to vacate the the speaker's chair. Kevin McCarthy has announced um, he is not going to attempt to retake, although others in the conference have said that they're going to nominate him anyway. And hope that they can show that, um, you know, it was a dumb idea to do this. Majority Leader Scalise is in the race. Jim Jordan got a boost last night from the Donald, or maybe not. We can discuss. Uh, there might be a couple of other also-rans. Um, and who the hell knows what's ultimately going to happen. Although, uh, Garrett Graves is not happy at all about any of this. He's very upset. And um, he he uh, is imploring that the conference air their dirty laundry in private quarters to come up with consensus so that the process on the House floor does not go the way it went in January uh, for his buddy uh, and former Speaker McCarthy, who I wish well. I don't know if he's going to stay on the Hill. Uh, he might probably ride out this this term. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, and he's got a whole lot of money to figure out how to spend to either make people's lives miserable or pass it along to whoever becomes the next speaker. So that's a, sum, a summation of this. Um, this is going to take place theoretically. The beginning of uh, the beginning of this is going to take place theoretically next week. Uh, in full disclosure, uh, the American Energy Alliance has endorsed Congressman Steve Scalise, the majority leader. Not for um, uh, all the reasons that some of uh, people are saying because he's a good fundraiser and all this. It's because of he has been a rock, a steady Eddie on energy. Uh, he has never uh, he's never strayed on these issues. He's the leader 
in the the entire Congress uh, in opposition to a carbon tax, which would have menacing impacts on you, the American people. Uh, and so it was a no-brainer for us to weigh in on behalf of, of uh, Congressman Scalise, which I'm sure carries as much weight as Donald Trump's endorsement of Jim Jordan. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. I, I couldn't possibly care less who the next speaker is. I didn't care who the last speaker is. I didn't care when the, I didn't care. I have literally not cared about any of these guys. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I love them. Um, I love them like a Christian's supposed to, but I, I really, I don't know how to say this the right way. So I'm just going to say it. Speakers of the house of representatives don't matter. They're, they're just not that important. And, and everybody's got a, just a, just a all tangled up about how important it is. I'm like, dude, if you could let me pick like one of these two jobs, like if you let me pick Speaker of the House or Secretary of Treasury, I pick Secretary of Treasury like 400 times out of 400 because that's somebody who actually does something. All the Speaker of the House, he's just a glorified vote counter, and he gives his pals and his stooges um, the best gigs. And, you know, the next guy is going to give his pal and his stooges the best gigs. And Yeah. And, and well, having, the, having the, the house could, I mean, it could be a more powerful position and has been in the past when uh, okay, legislature, so, let, when the legislature itself was relevant. Let me just stop you right there. Okay. I had this conversation with a friend of mine this week and I wrote it in a column and I'll, I'll ask you the same question I asked him. What did Joe Cannon do? What were his lifetime achievements? What did he achieve? Bro, well, I mean, nobody I had. Yeah, I have no idea, part. right? I have no idea. Why would you, right? Because he he was basically a a moderately competent legislator from the middle of nowhere, and he did nothing and stayed fifty years in Washington. By the way, so he'd fit right in. But nobody can. Nobody I know can tell me why. Like we got a building named after the dude. Everyone's like, "Well, he was speaker." I'm like, "Really? That's it? That's what we? That's <laughs> yeah, what we okay, named?" Uh, I mean. You know, if you are a functioning Congress with a majority that, you know, uh, is decently sizable and, and back in the day you formed coalitions with Democrats or Republicans when you wanted or needed to, you could make a lot of good things happen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, back yeah, to my, back to so my. So on and so forth, tax reform, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a house guy. I'm a creature of the house, so I'm a little biased, but. They're glorified uh, vote I don't counters. think it's a worthless endeavor. I don't think it's worthless. Uh, I didn't say it was worthless. I just said, I don't care. Look, right. look, the guys building houses are doing something good for society, right? But I don't really, ca I don't really care who's running the crew this morning out in West Springfield, right? I'm like, great. Whoever the crew wants to run, that's who. Anyway, long story short, Congressman Scalise is obviously better than the other candidates. That's thing one. And thing two... Um, and I kind of wish I hadn't committed to write this column for, for this other topic because I really want to write this topic. And here's what I want to write. All these House guys who have quietly been telling us for five years that they're sick of Donald Trump and would like an opportunity to, like, clear him out. Now's your moment. You endorse Jim Jordan. If you're really serious about trying to clear out um, President Trump from the, from the party, um, at least start the process. You should vote for somebody else, Scalise or... I don't know who else is running. Yeah, which is why I said it may, may or may not help, Jim. I mean, I think it certainly solidifies some support of folks who would have already been with him. 
So uh, there's there's this weird thing going on where they the, that the Boberts of the world are saying, well, if it's Jim, then we'll um, we'll loosen up the the one one vote, you know, motion to vacate to vacate thing. I, doesn't make sense to me. Um, the, the argument is is he can use that to to get up support for the folks that wouldn't otherwise support him so that he remains speaker but if they don't want him to be speaker then they might want that the ability to to do the same thing right so you, I, you know I what, don't know you know what two two, two, two things uh, first off um, the problem with part one of the problems with speaker mccarthy was the crowd he had around him right members and members and lobbyists right they they were they're they're well known well-known, questionable human beings, and that's just the way they are. And so that's one, and and Congressman Jordan is one of them. And then the the second thing in an actual functioning democracy, you want to know how you'd pick a speaker? Random, chance. You'd throw two hundred and thirty names in a basket, or two hundred eighteen, or two hundred twenty-five, whatever the number is we have now. You throw the names in a basket, you pick one out, and you go there. That's the speaker, and and, and that that would remove all. All of this nonsense and make everybody feel better and probably would not produce any worse results than we're going to get with no matter who we wind up with. As you can tell, okay, I'm, well, I'm starting to, I'm starting to really question the value of the lower body. I really am. I don't I don't understand why why Well, it can't I mean then it has to be um it has to be diminished. It can't be worse than your opinion of the upper body, the upper chamber. I mean, it used to be an, uh, a, a much different atmosphere over there. We've talked about that in the past as well, where the World War II heroes and, the, you know, folks go to finish round off their distinguished careers and whatnot. But uh, this Senate is, no, is not much different than the House. They're the same. They're the same. Anyway. That's enough of that nonsense. I already spent more time thinking about this okay. than I wanted to. So the, to be continued, the speaker saga. So my final word on that is just that if um, the result is further uh, rules changes or and or further desire to push power back down out of the speaker's office and back into the committee's then this will have been a worthwhile exercise. Never going to happen. That's my opinion. Never okay. going to happen. You keep so, dreaming. Announcements. Announcements. I saw Brian Cashman was trending on Twitter, and I got really excited. And then, but it turns out it was just more complaining about him, which has gotten us nowhere. Yay. So. Yay. <laughs> uh, announcements. Yeah, I want to thank Frank Cadillac. Um for uh, who's a friend of mine who understands the LNG world better than anybody on the planet, literally, I actually mean that, um, for illuminating a dark corner of um, of the world for me, like he always does. So I appreciate that, Frank. That's a great name too, by the way. Frank Cali, smartest guy in the world. Went to Cooper Union in New York, right? He's got that New York edginess to him, married up with some pretty significant intellectual firepower. He's, he's one of my favorite humans. So uh, my other announcement is there he goes. See ya. Sad to announce that this was the final year in the Yankees broadcast booth for Michael K. Yeah, seriously. I guess he had it too, right? I don't really, so. I don't really care about Michael K. But what I want to know is when is it going to be Susie Waldman's final year? That's what I'm looking forward to. 
How, I mean, how John long? Sterling and Susan Walden. Come on, they're an I. They're, yeah, they're one's drunk and the other's clueless. I mean, it's it's it, it, it is a perfect encapsulation of what became what has become of the once great mighty Yankee franchise. Yes, yeah, sir. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if and when Hal announces that he will not be letting go of anybody in his management team. Uh, okay, so this day in history in 1960. What is it? October so what now? This is this is October 6th. This is pop culture. You're never going to guess it. October 6th, 1960. The Beatles appear. The world, close. The world premiere of Spartacus. That, that movie's fundamentally unwatchable. Stanley Kubrick starring yeah. Kirk Douglas. Like like every Lawrence Olivier, uh, Gene Hayward. Look like every Stanley Kubrick movie. It's essentially unwatchable. Everyone's like, <laughs> "Oh, it's great." A couple of his movies. Oh, it's great. I do like. A, I, I like a couple of his movies. It's great like, art. Uh, it's great. Everybody says the same thing. It's great art, which is which may as well just be code for avoided at all costs because it's terrible. <laughs> all right, in 1981, uh, this happened in the Middle East. Uh, uh, we talked about this particular person in the uh, in the past. Uh, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat was assassinated. Popped. Yeah, that's that's today. And members of the radical fringe of the Muslim opposition. So <laughs> instead of the moderate fringe of the yes, Muslim opposition, exactly. <laughs> this pattern, this historic pattern. Of, it's like Henry Cuellar. All the things the fringes all, of Muslim opposition. All the things about yeah. Henry Cuellar. All the headlines was he got carjacked at gunpoint. I'm like. Is there some oh. is there some other way to get carjacked? I'm like uh, I was gonna this was in the topics, but since you brought it up, this is from Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh Congressman Henry Quay, our Democrat from Texas, who has won elections by the skin of his teeth last couple. Um the best line of the whole entire thing. Well, first of all, Quayar, he's fine, I guess. Uh was not injured and his car was recovered. It said he was parking his car when he was approached by three men in masks who were all holding guns. He does not think they know who he was, as if that matters. Do you know right? who I am? I hope he, I hope he. <laughs> Here's the best line. They took my sushi along with his phone and dashboard camera, he told reporters, adding, I'm good. So, okay, all, yeah. all, all kidding aside, all kidding aside. Um, this is a concern for people who who live and work in D.C. And what wor what makes me worried is, I if all you car carjackers out there, I'll give you the car. I, I you know I don't care about the car, but you got. So should you share where it where it's usually parked? No, but but <laughs> but just what what I worry about is I don't want the computer stolen because the computer actually is valuable. Right, and the car's got one hundred fifteen thousand miles on it. It's—I don't want to say it's a piece of junk, but it's—it's it's on this downward, downward spiral, right? But the computer—I don't know—and and I thought about how is, how would this conversation go with carjackers? Like, hey, could you could you just pop the trunk and let me grab my computer before you drive away? <laughs> I mean, how, how does that happen? No, you—you you, if it's a Mac, you can just dis dislocate. Like, you can sh you can brick it. It doesn't help. Right? Me. I know I, you want it. I need this stuff in you it. Can brick it. Right, it's useless. And if, you're to in me. The and if you're in the cloud, Apple's got all your stuff anyway. So what's the difference? I'm not in the cloud, dude. I live in America. All right, this last one was in 1993. 1993 again has no really historical significance whatsoever. I just thought, uh, I, I actually I didn't think it was, but Alex thought it was interesting. The Simpsons premiered. 
in on this day in history, Michael Jordan retired from professional basketball saying, I don't have anything else to prove only to return in March of 1995. So, so evidently he did have something to prove. Yeah. Well, do you remember the Washington Wizards slash Bullets yes, era yes. with Michael Jordan? Yes, yes. Where he came in and he was like on the team. He was a, I guess he was a player like part yeah. owner or part coach, uh, yeah. executive coach. So he basically brought in a few tickets. But But here's what I remember fondly about the Michael Jordan era in Washington, D.C. Do you remember his restaurant in the EPA building? Jordan's? You can't say I was ever there. Okay, it was a steakhouse, and it was the cheesiest damn restaurant. It had this huge jack hanging off of the ceiling. Like, no, nobody could figure out what the hell that meant or what what significance it was to Michael Jordan. But, of course, we would go anyway because, you know, you might get a glimpse of, of Michael Jordan. So. That, 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 okay. I'm just going to say okay. <laughs> You got a terrible restaurant. Terrible restaurant. You got to get better. Awful. You got to get better things of the day, man. This this is maybe we need things of the week. That's all right. Sometimes they're, they're no hit. They're not hits. Go ahead. All right. So the I thought it was bad enough that Utah um, was admitted to the union, abandoned uh, the the notion of having two senators from your. From your home state. Oh, oh, I know where I know where we're going. Okay, so in a bold, brazen move, Governor Gavin announced his appointment of Lafonza Butler to the Senate seat, formerly held by the beloved Diane Feinstein. Okay, sworn in already. She's literally a lobbyist from Maryland. Yeah. So interesting choice, bold choice, a a hard left movement lobbyist type with union ties, a head of what is she head of Emily's list, Emily's list, which is the bundler for the pro abortion folks. Let's hope so. Um, I, all right, whatever. It, it it is it is it is the it is the selection only someone running for president could make. He's like, eh, California's going to vote for me anyway. I now need to start playing for the rest of the states. It, it's really terrible for California. I mean, who cares? As somebody who has some ties to the state, it's just it's just awful what's happening it, there. You know what? I, I, look, I don't know how to say this nicely, but if the Californians don't care, I'm not sure why I should care anymore. I mean, I keep trying to want to help California. But they're going to keep voting for idiots like Gavin Newsom. You got to start wondering, like, okay, well, maybe they're unsavable, right? Yeah. So she, but she owns a house in California, so everything is good. You know, it's all good. I, I the, the fact that she votes in Maryland, like, is just remarkable. I, you yeah. know, I, I, it, I mean, this stuff happens, but like, rarely, like, close to never. You know. Yeah. It. It. it, it but he checked his I, box. He I checked just, his boxes. You know. So, well, uh, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're down to, Hey, I'm going to pick a, what what was it? A black female, right? Is that, that how he characterized it? I'm going to pick I a black female. That was, yeah. I believe that was If it. I'm Barbara Lee, I've, I've got to be thinking about just, just, just lighting the guy's car on fire at this point. Cause she must be pissed. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and, and you know, not only that, what made it worse is he sent out one of his stooges to say, like, off the record, well, you know, Barbara's 77 and Lafonso's 44. I was yeah. just like, holy mackerel, keep making it worse, man. Keep digging that Seriously. ditch for that person. Anyway. Yeah, so Governor Gavin making moves, bold moves. <laughs> bold moves for Governor Gavin. I'm telling you, man, if I was a senator, it would piss me off. Yeah, I wouldn't be too happy. All right, I want to jump back. We need to predict. We need a prediction. Is she going to run in the general, or is she going to run for senate, or is she just going to do a couple of couple of whatever it is? Oh now, no, a year. she's going to do a couple of years, and then she's going to, you know, yeah, she's going to her wallet even more. Yeah, she's so going to do thirteen years. Time. She's going to do thirteen months and refer to herself as actually. A- I take it back. You know, if you've been there for a while, you get that taste. She might. She might like the taste of it, right? Yeah, that's true. It'd be interesting. I'm not sure. I'm going to play this clip from President Biden, who, by the way, was in a meeting with, like, this tells you practically everything you need to know about this administration. (laughs) Practically everything. Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, George Soros, and his son. (laughs) They were just powwowing in the Oval. So Sounds like the beginning uh, of a bad joke. Yeah, exactly. Here, let me see if I can get this clip to to play properly. We have a question on a border wall. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate it to redirect that money. They didn't, they wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing on the wall other than they have to use money for what it's appropriate. I can't stop that. All right. So President Biden insists that his hands are tied on this border wall. All right. So if that's the case, do you think, uh, given the fact that the government has the ability to slow walk any decision that is of remote of any consequence whatsoever, including the decision to permit uh, oil and gas leases on BLM lands, that you think that, that if he really didn't want to do this, that he would be able to gum up the works a little bit on this issue? Of course he could. I Okay, well, this is from The Hill. Should I read it? Sure. Clean Water Act, Endangered Species Act waived for border wall. Yeah. The Biden administration is waiving 26 laws, including major environmental statutes to facilitate the construction of a new section of border wall between the U.S. and Mexico. DHS secretary announced the move in a federal register notice. Mayorkas deemed it necessary to waive certain laws in order to ensure the expeditious construction of barriers and roads in the vicinity of the international land border in Star County, Texas. NEPA, clean air, clean water, safe drinking water, ESA, all waived. Yeah. Well, sure. Why wouldn't it be? You sound surprised. I don't understand what you're surprised about. What I'm... I'm not surprised. You seemed outraged. I'm pointing this out for my for our listeners. These people just lie. Well, you know what? They lie. They just stare at you and flat out lie to you. We're gonna, President Biden is lying. We're going to have uh, a- and the media is no nobody is nobody is calling out any of this bs on either side well, let, 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 let except me, for us let me put here it at the unregulated well, really except for you i would have left i would have let it go because let's think no about, let's think about it from a different what do you mean no i wouldn't let it go sure I no, I, i'm prepared to let it go right you now might. 
but I don't think we should let it go. I think we should. I don't know. If let it go. We should. We should treat it as a conversion, not a lie. He was misguided. He said, and, no, he, and, in the one hand, he said his hands are tied. He has no choice. This is what the the oh, sec, press yeah. secretary is okay. so doing just, the the two step over on the podium. We can't. We we hate this idea of a wall, but we don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. Look, here's the deal. Think about it as a conversion. These, these guys have concluded with the help of the Illinois governor and the New York governor that this this thing needs a wall, right? We can't keep taking two and a half million people a year. This thing's a bleeder. Even if they just conclude that for political considerations, take the win. Don't don't get annoyed by the win. Take the win. Walls don't work, Mike. Walls work. We've been told that over see, and over and over see, again. See, that's that the beautiful thing. That's What's a, that thing over in Rome? That's the beautiful thing. That surrounds the Vatican. What's that thing down in Mexico that like surrounded see, the you know? See, that's the beautiful thing about this, this, this. It it for those of us who want to win the issue. This is this is this is progress because now all those democratic talking points are now gone. All of it, right? A wall doesn't work, you can't do anything, blah blah blah, this, that, and the other stuff. That's why I said Greg Abbott's a genius, because he changed this entire conversation. And and here we are. I realize it's election year, but here we are, 13 months out, and what does President Biden do? Hey, I'm gonna need a wall. He might be two weeks away from saying, and Mexico has to pay for it, for all I know. <laughs> no, DeSantis is already saying that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, Trump said he was going to get Mexico to pay for it, but he actually didn't. I got a plan to get Mexico to pay for it. See, so. if I was Eric, if I was Eric Adams or if I was a, <laughs> if I was a press guy covering Eric Adams' trip to Mexico City, that's what I'd ask. You down here to get the Mexicans to pay for the wall? <laughs> it, we, we jest and joke, but it is. A we're winning. We're winning. We are here. winning the issue, and that's the important so. thing. Because this is this policy is too important to screw up. We have to close that border. We have to impose some security and discipline on that southern border. We just have to. So if so if me looking the other way while the president lies to me um, helps that, I'm all in favor of it. Yeah, I guess I just I don't know. I, I feel know. like I everybody know. is just it's just one big gaslight situation nowadays like nothing is all right you gotta stop no talking. there's no value in truth anymore that's that's my concern. i'm sorry i don't i don't mean to ask this question in a bad way but um you're you're actually in like politics right i am so I am. so you must realize must have realized I, from I a fairly early age that people lie to you all the time in this no, i understand what i understand what the, you know, I understand politics very well. What I don't understand is that there used to be sort of a referee. Yeah. Right. Yes. There's no more. There is no referee anymore. There is none of that. I agree with that. Yeah, doesn't that, exist. That you know what? That's that that the 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 good and the bad of the legacy media was they were in fact the referees. And like you say, there are now no referees. So that's okay. The yeah. the the. I want you to think though about I want you to think about what those four or five people probably thought about when when they announced, hey, we gotta build a wall and we gotta run over all these environmental permitting things to get to it, right? You know, 
Valerie Jarrett and Susan Rice and George Soros and his kid, whatever his name is. You got to know wherever they were when they heard that news. They're like, wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Wasn't that the last guy's thing? Here we are, girls. Yep. It was yeah. the last guy's thing. Congratulations. Yeah. Pretty soon yeah. he'll come out in favor of tax reform. You feel it coming, right? He's, hey, I'm, everybody should have lower taxes. <laughs> All right. So do you want to talk spending or should we just suspend that? What do you want to talk about bit? spending? You want to talk about like you want to game out this this process or what? We I guess we wait till there's a new speaker. Yeah, we're heading for another Let's, shut. We're heading for another shut. We're heading for another possible slash likely shutdown, right? Because whoever they hire, whoever they hire is not going to be able to make a deal in four weeks, right? And that's what we got left, basically. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, sports fans. Um, I think I put this in the column. I think I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I don't remember anymore. Um, we're talking about. The disagreement between what what got Kevin McCarthy fired, uh, well, what got Kevin McCarthy fired was he went behind everybody's back to talk to the Democrats. But you know what? Twice. Twice. But he was going to have to do that anyway to make a deal. He had it. You know, th right. that's where we were going. I'm like, what did you people expect? Um, still, I guess it was inevitable. Anyway, long story short is he got fired over $100 billion in a $6.5 trillion budget. That's what the Republicans are discussing amongst themselves. One- yeah, I you know, it's mm, it's about okay. one and a half percent of the total, um, of the total number, right? It, I it, would, I would argue that that's, that's a, um, that's sort of the technical issue that we're talking about here. But it's beyond that, right? It's well beyond that. It's it's more about the process for getting to the to the budget numbers. Oh, that everybody right? wants to have different votes and stuff. Yeah, it's about the again. It goes back to it's about the, where the power is, right? Yeah. In the dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. What I, my point is, yeah, I oh. totally agree with that. My point is this, and just this. <clears throat> that is, I agree. Let me let me let me let me say it as clearly as I can. There is no one, literally no one in the federal government who has any interest at all in actual spending restraint. That is correct, and yeah. it is destroying this country. That's right, and in rapid fashion. And whatever whatever nonsense people tell you about, like I'm going to vote for this and I'm going to vote for that. I think yeah. I told you this. I think I said this last week, right? I called the campaigns. I'm like, hey, do you have budgets? Yeah, you, you know, do you have budget plans? And they're like, we've called for a balanced uh, budget amendment. I'm like, yeah. not the same. The interesting so thing what is, do you think about what do you think about biannual budgets? One year do the budget, next year do the appropriations for two. Yeah, years. that tends to work in the states. I'm in favor of that, generally speaking. It works, like I said, it works that in the would states. Work in DC, I think it would. Yeah, I don't think it would solve our problem, but yeah, I think it would work. Um, I, I will say this, and I pointed this out in column two, right? Um, House Budget Chairman Jody Arrington is literally the only guy who coughed up a, a budget that balanced within ten years. And do you, do, do, do you know what happened to that budget plan? It mm, got completely the, ignored by everybody, center, right, and left. Well, they didn't even have a budget because they bypassed it for the that's debt right. ceiling. That's right. He, we talked about that. he finally got one out. All was, right. Well, let's, let's, it, just, it, let's suspend this conversation until okay. we have a speaker and then we can okay. figure out what – and God, but, uh, who, would, who, who would want this gig? Seriously. Anyway, seriously. Right? Like God bless Steve Scalise for wanting the gig. And and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have raised my hand, but he did. So, you know, that's why we endorsed we, him and we wish him luck in that in that quest. But 
So I wanted to bring this up. My buddy Dan, who you know very well, uh, caught, caught this and sent it to me and said, hey, that whole Michael Lewis thing, uh, you might have a little, uh, you might have a little revenge with this. Apparently his latest book um, is about Sam Bankman Freed and the whole nightmare, right? Yeah. And okay. Apparently, and I'll just read this tweet. I finished reading Michael Lewis's new book, so you don't have to, thank God. You were not misled by the 60 Minutes interview. It is a full-out defense of SBF. He spends more time questioning the intentions of the bankruptcy lawyer, John Ray, than he does SBF. I'm speechless. So I'm not, because as you recall, we were uh, we were the victims of a hatchet job by said Michael Lewis a few years back. Um, and, you know, he ever since his, you know, Moneyball day, days, everyone thought he was like this great investigative this and that and the other, and he's nothing more than a shill for the left. So I'm shocked. Just threw that out there. I, I wish you all the success in the world, Mr. Lewis. Not. So seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Color, <laughs> color me amazed. Well, I got to be honest with you. Coming out in favor of uh, Mr. Friedman seems like an odd thing to do just because he's probably one of the most accomplished criminals of our generation. Oh, man. Well, it's, it's if he's one of if he's an, an accomplished criminal, then uh, half of the Democratic Party apparatus is his accomplice. I know. I know. That's the story. Nobody nobody seems to want to tell that he was basically a. A pass through for the for the Democratic um, Party and its cognates. All right, where do you want to go now? Um, you want my list? Do you want me to just go through my list? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, first off, and we probably should have done this in announcements, but um, I want to point out that this week and last week was the week of the FOIA. The week of oh, the FOIA. You're gonna talk about. <laughs> You're going to talk about our FOIA. Yeah, I That's am, great. in fact. The week of the FOIA, our friends at the Institute for Energy Research. That would be us. Um, uh, achieved possession of a document through FOIA request and patient. How long has it been? What's it been a year now? We applied. We, we filed a FOIA request in January of 2023. So only eight, eight or nine months yeah, or so. Yeah. Uh, that... Uh, that showed definitively that Chairman Willie Phillips over at FERC is, in fact, chairman, not acting chairman, like a White House official, as it was described in the press, uh, as indicated he was, nor uh, nor was he acting chairman like his bio on the FERC website still has him, uh, as recently as last night. Um, I, I mention this because, um, obviously, Somebody in the White House wants to minimize and marginalize Chairman Phillips, probably because he doesn't lean quite as heavily in the favor of renewable energy as the White House dudes do. That said, so it'd be the guy who met with Rich Glick seventeen times. That would be my guess. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying diligently to work to to convince reporters that they need to not let this person go off record. Right? They need to, they need to. Um, Absolutely. They need to have because this person lied, right? He didn't he didn't he didn't shade the truth. He lied, right? Um whoever he or she may be. So anyway, um that's one. And then the other FOIA that I ran across, which by the way, great work, gang. Um the other 
Um, and and it's, it's, it's well-deserved and it, it corrects an injustice, right? Um, well, can I just give you one sure. piece of background on that? Sure. It took to the point where our crack attorney, Mr. Horner, had requested with the judge because the case had to be adjudicated because we they refused to, to even acknowledge that the document existed, that under threat of discovery, right? Like the, the judge basically said, you need to explain to me why IER shouldn't be able to go into your books for this issue. And, and then um, like suddenly, miraculously, the document surfaced over at FERC. So they literally lied in their in their defense that they couldn't find any such document in the first place which is just absolutely insane it goes back to the point about lying even before a judge so anyway i just thought i'd share no, that i appreciate that you guys have no desire to be uh transparent with us at least with anybody um the other foia that uh, the other foia production that ran across was uh, uh my friends who run something called the functional governor Government government initiative that 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 functional governance initiative. They had a FOIA production out of the Department of Interior that showed that our friends at Interior, including Tommy Boudreau, who was Deputy Secretary, still is. Although he announced, announced that he's leaving. I I kind of wonder if these two things aren't connected. I was just going to bring that up. And Kate Kelly, his chief of staff, basically met with the w- lawyers at the Wilderness Society, um, who are ostensibly. Litigants on opposing sides of the um, permitting of the Twin Metals mine up in northern Minnesota, they met. Um, they met without any other counsel there, just these two, right? So Twin Metals wasn't in the room, neither was anyone else. Um, it's bad enough that Tommy probably recognized how bad it looked because he took it off his public. Ca- well, I don't know if he took it off his public calendar. It didn't appear. That meeting did not appear in his public calendar for those days. So um, I give the guys at FGI full credit. Uh, This is important. I'm waiting patiently for a comment from Congressman Stauber's office because they, they're, you know, Twin Metals is in their district and he's pretty hot about it, right? He runs a mining caucus in the house, Um, which leads me to one thought. And I've had it for a number of years. I'm, 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 eventually going to figure out how to make it happen, right? Federal government agencies should post everything. Everything that's Absolutely. everything that's FOIAable. You can't tell me that, you, that, you, that it can't be done. It can't be posted in some kind of searchable format. Um, I don't yeah, know, absolutely. I don't understand. I mean, FOIA was a great thing, but it's 50 years old. I, I don't see why we can't update it and just say, look, you're going you're gonna to post everything except for personnel stuff or national security stuff, right? Um, people should have access to what their government produces. The funny thing is state-level state, state level guys do this with their checks, right? They, they post their, their, their checks. So you can – like in 15 states. So you can go search it. Hey, who are we paying? Um, we should do the same thing. This FOIA process is, is not broken, but it's incredibly tortuous, it's right? It's broken. It's broken. Yeah. It's gained on both sides. Yeah. It's the bottom. It, we we had while we were deliberating on several issues with uh, FERC, they had received and responded to many FOIA requests from the Greens about pipelines and permitting and 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 Mountain Valley and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's completely broken. I agree one hundred percent. It should be 
the one of the things, one of the many, many things that a functioning legislative branch should do is restructure the manner in which regulations are processed, the manner in which FOIAs are processed. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, thank you for bringing it up. I appreciate it. And mm-hmm. by the way, I will just say how how insulting that not not only did the White House play this acting charade on Commissioner Phillips, but then when Ian when when Politico broke the story, they re-upped the acting. I, I was going to say as recently as uh, what two days ago, they 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 got on record saying, "Yeah, he's still acting as far as we're concerned." How well, insulting is and that? And like I said, the acting thing is still in his bio on the FERC website. I checked it last night. So, so anyways, anyway, we, that, that, we, we do uh, wish uh, Chairman Phillips uh, all the best as he deliberates the nation's transmission. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a good guy and he deserves to be treated better than this. OK, uh, I got three other things. I'll be I'll be quick. Um, I yeah. got a couple on energy, too. So uh, I'll I'll uh, you I'll throw to, those. Do you want me to uh, do mine or you want to go? Please. All right. Jamie Burke um, runs something called Life in the Party. It's a little newsletter for Republicans. It comes out every Friday. Every Friday, she has these 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 things that people have written. And this week, it's Dave Malpass and um, and uh, Jim Pinkerton, right? Who Pinkerton gave us something at the Times, and and you know I I shepherded it in, right? Okay, Jamie, seriously, I literally write two columns a week. Could you maybe throw me a bone and post one of them on Friday? Would it would it would it kill you? Would it kill you? Would it kill I don't know you? that she's listening because she basically ignores me too. So there's some, we're on some list over there at the life and the party. Maybe we're just too darn honest about our party. I, I, I mean, Jamie, I love you, but for, just just throw me a bone, man. I mean, honestly, like that's that's probably the the answer is that you know we're trying to save the Republican Party by pointing out the areas of improvement. And, and one right. and one of the areas of improvement is you can start to start to occasionally post my stuff on Friday. So that's one. <laughs> That'll be a good start. And then, okay, actually, all three of these things are all about improving the party. Um, thing number two is the Vandenberg Coalition, um, which is a, a, a neocon outfit, right? Um, sent a letter saying, "Hey, basically, we need to ship cash to Ukraine indefinitely because it's good for our defense um, industrial base." And, uh, you know, are stiffening the nerve of our allies and blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's the best thing about it, right? Number one name on it is a guy named Elliot Abrams. Now, for those of you who don't know yes, Elliot. You know who Elliot Abrams is. He was the first signatory, right? You got to get- Mr. War, Mr. Warmonger. I was going to say, you got to get to the last page before you get to Karl Rove. I'm just like, oh, it was like, it was like a hundred of the- uh, people you would least be least likely to take advice from. It was just like, dude. Yeah, well, it didn't even Mr. Trump put Elliot Abrams back in back in play, right? Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's there's it, it it it's like it's like shingles or malaria. It circles <laughs> back every once in a while. Um, last thing, and it's gonna be touchy, and I I don't care. Um, Glenn All Yunkin, right, here we go. Glenn Youngkin took two million bucks from Jeff Yass. Now everyone's the, uh, like, Pennsylvania guy. Yeah, and everyone's like Jeff Yass. I don't know that guy. Let me help you, Jeff Yass. Um, Spends a bunch of money on the right, mostly focused on um, school choice, right? Um, you know, funding students. He also is a big club for growth, or by the That's way. That's right. Well, he, he, a big club for growth, but what he really does in his day job is invest in TikTok. You know, he, he's, he's 
he owns, most of his personal fortune is tied up in TikTok. So he has single-handedly been stopping the Republican Party from doing anything about TikTok now for about a year. Uh, I mention this only because um, Glenn Youngkin was smart enough to sail away from the um, Contemporary Empirics Limited, the Cattle um, Technology Limited, the, 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 the cattle battery plant. When they first came to Virginia and said, hey, we want to do it in Virginia, Youngkin's like, I don't want to be tangled up with the Chinese communists. That's yeah. the same plant that just got bounced in Michigan, right? That Ford just announced a pause in Michigan, right? That's correct. Which makes Youngkin look good. Taking money from Jeff Yaz, Jeff Yaz makes Youngkin look bad. And he's going to take incoming, and he deserves to take incoming. And I'm not saying Mr. Yaz doesn't have the right to do what he's doing. It's America. But, but you're going to invest in communist China and the most successful psychological a warfare operation in the history of the planet. You got to figure somebody's going to say a couple of words. Yeah. Anyway, last point. So leave, leave it at that. Um, yeah. But I, 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 this is why I'm also a big proponent of no limits and full disclosure, right? That's right. So, I, like I said, everybody should be free to take as much money as they want yep. to pursue their goals in politics. But ever like, like the list for FOIA, let's just put it all on a list. Yep. Let's get it out there. And the funny thing is that's exactly what Virginia has, right? Take, take, take what you want, but you got to disclose. Um, last thing. And I want to read this. I just want to read this to you because it's funny because my friends at Rapidan came along with this. Bloomberg intelligence is coming around. This is their weekly bullets, Bloomberg intelligence. And I'm sorry, um, Bob, if I'm not allowed to read this, Bloomberg intelligence is coming around to our view as this new survey finds peak oil demand, maybe later than anticipated. In a, that's exactly the reaction I had. In a survey conducted last month of 67 economists, traders, and strategists, strategists, um, only 22% now expect demand to peak before 2030 versus almost 50% in last year's survey. And only two-thirds see a peak by 2035 versus more than 80% in the previous poll. I mention this because it's fun. People are, people are starting to like... The, Starting to recenter a little bit. How about if we say right, it that well, way? Since you brought that up, I'll bring this up. Uh, this is from Barnett Energy, Rob Barnett, uh, senior analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. Hey. Only 12% of our latest BBG Intelligence Energy Survey respondents expect EVs to reach 50% of new car sales by 2030. Down from 21% a year ago. <laughs> oh, but here's the kicker. Then he's like, makes me wonder if they're following the trajectory of plug-in sales globally about 20% of the total in recent months. <laughs> they just can't help themselves. I was going to say, let it go, Man, buddy. Let it the, go. The wisdom of the crowd. It's yeah, just, man. this is the answer. Uh, you know, people say, oh, the voters are so dumb. Uh, they don't know anything. Uh, you've been a pollster for a very long time. I suspect you have the opposite view of that. So I, I, my, my view is they're the only voters we got. So they're going to, they're going to be as smart as we're going to get. So just, live all right. With so it. quick, quick energy, rapid, rapid fire round, and then we can wrap it up. Um, this yeah. is from Bloomberg as well. <clears throat> Germany brings back mothballed coal plants to help keep the lights on. <laughs> Saw that. <laughs> uh, Germany will bring several mothballed coal plants to the market this winter to ensure 
that Europe's largest economy can keep the lights on when demand peaks in order to allow the renewed activation of units belonging to RWEAG and LEAG will be passed by the government cabinet on Wednesday, according to economy, an economy ministry spokesman. The nation finds itself in a tight spot after the phase out of its last remaining nuclear reactors in the spring and is set to curb power supply even further this winter. Last year's energy crisis, which sent gas prices to record highs, forced the country to lean more heavily on burning coal to produce electricity. Um, you know, I, I really like the way that was written. Like somehow the nuclear plants just phased themselves out. Like, right, like, you know, right. I'm like, it, that, okay, I'll give. Same dudes issued the shit, <laughs> turned the key off of the damn thing. I things. was going to say, I'll, I'll give. How, and they're the same dudes who bulldozed that town. To, to mine for lignite coal. You know, the the Germans, I, the Germans. But hey, it's, you know, energy bendy. Yeah, uh, it, leading the transition. Yeah, man. Pay three times as much well, for electricity as anybody else. Watch your industrial base vanish. Good luck. The deindustrialization of Europe is the result of the green energy experiment it, it, it's all right this is i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna start from, writing i'm gonna start writing in the passive voice yeah nuclear plants phased out we're phased yeah. out <laughs> the intended phase down go ahead all right, uh, one more on energy this is from washington examiner yeah. uh jenny goldsberry uh jackson wyoming has put its fleet of eight electric buses out of commission indefinitely yeah proterra yeah Heard of them? I, I saw this. I saw this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Proterra guys. One of the nation's largest electric bus manufacturers and supplier of Jackson's newest buses filed for bankruptcy last month. Its CEO, Gareth Joyseth, claimed various market and macroeconomic headwinds caused the company to fail and also resulted in a loss of $250 million in the first quarter. Now all eight buses need repairs. In their place, Southern Teton Area Rapid Transit will deploy six new diesel buses to the area as soon as October. Uh, okay, so lots of money was given, by the way, for, uh, for the buses. $2.29 million were uh, Wyoming received from the Federal Transit Administration in 2018. In 2023, 1.7 billion was allocated to this program due to the infra the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So um I'm not yeah, I'm not rooting for the failure of electric diesel electric buses. I'm not. You don't have to. I'm not rooting for the failure of EVs. It's like it's, you don't have. But I, I'm rooting wildly for the for the failure of government programs shoveling our money into these projects. It's just it's just absolutely insane. So. I'm not even really rooting for it. You don't have to root for it. It yeah. It it's just it's like gravity, right? I mean, it is some 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 stuff's gonna bust because the just because the government's involved, that seems you know, like, that number seems to multiply. If these people really cared, uh, by the way, we, we're going to push something out. Uh, this this is fun. Uh, a friend of ours crunched these numbers; they're all publicly available. If you were to transition to 
EVs from ICE vehicles, it would we would no longer well we need ref, some refineries, right? But not really, not as not nearly as many. If you were to uh, replace ICE vehicles with EVs, you would have to build the equivalent of two nuclear plants for every refinery that you shut down. Yeah, we're gonna do that. that. We're gonna do that. Aren't yeah. we gonna do that? That's not gonna happen. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought, I'm understand is nuclear power is phasing itself out. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, perhaps perhaps, anyways, perhaps the refineries will will phase themselves out as well. I, but... <laughs> All right. Well, I, speaking of phasing out or freezing up, uh, I got a closing clip from the president. If you'd like to hear it, you know I would. All right, let's do it. I hope this experience for the speaker has been one of a personal revelation. I'm not being facetious. I, uh, um, anyway. And that is a wrap, that ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Boy. Namaste. Episode number 151 is somberly in the books. Namaste. Namaste. This is this, this is our leader. Oh my. <laughs> he said hi everybody. Hey.